Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pullstring Press for this great studio and a place to work. Patrick, good morning. Good morning, Mark. Patrick, I would like you to meet Dr. Tiffany Morse. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. And I want to thank our our good friend, uh, Greg Van Ness from Tolman and Weicker for introducing us um, because otherwise we wouldn't have met you and we wouldn't be able to have this great conversation. You're the executive director of career education at the Ventura County Office of Education. That doesn't fit nicely into one of those <laughs> magazine really, subscription forms, no, right? It's a How many really business cards title. do you have to have with all of that on <laughs> it's it? It's a fold out. It is. Yes. Oh, it's a fold out card. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, fold out. Bold, that's bin, right. That's card. yeah. I love that. Tell me, um, what's, what's the most fun part of your day? The, the thing you look forward to the most. The other day, I I met with a company. I met with Harbor Freight Tools, and we've been um, they're kind of starting a foundation. And we've been talking for months and months about what does career education look like in Ventura County. What are some of the programs? So we went and had lunch with them on Tuesday, and we walked out with a hundred thousand dollar grant to help build new programs in the county. And I left, and I thought this is the best part of my job. <laughs> this is the best part when we can have people who want to invest in students and invest in the future, and they feel great about it, we feel great about it. Um, That's probably the best part of my job. Is career education then funded by local companies that come in and help? Is that a big part of how that works? Partially. It's pretty complicated, but we used to have dedicated funding from the state that was cut four years ago, and so now we have dedicated funding from the county office. We have a lot of grants, state competitive grants that we've received, and then um, money from local companies. So really, the part about this job that's the challenge, but that I also like, is that it's all about the hustle. So it's all about uh, cobbling together multiple funding sources to do great things for kids. And what in your educational background prepared you to be a hustler? <laughs> Nothing. I just am by nature. <laughs> oh, you are by nature. I think I was born that way. <laughs> what, what makes you think that? That's an interesting thing. I can just remember as a kid always trying to convince my brothers to do things that they didn't want to do. And uh, I've, I've just always been all about how can I how can I help you find your greater purpose by giving things to something that you might not be thinking that you want to give to. So... That's well, a perfect example of, yeah, because I'm thinking about your lunch the other day with Harbor Freight, uh, a fine place that I, I have bought lots of tools from. Um, but that, that feeling of like, uh, uh, here we are at lunch, we're just waiting for you to say the right thing for us to turn over $100,000 to you? Well, we've been spending a lot of time. I mean, luckily, they they have had, um, their founder has a, a soft spot in his heart for, for vocational programs based right. on some training he had right. when he went to school. And he said, oh. you know, these, this type of program really changed my life, and now I'm, I'm successful, and I want to turn around and give back to the community. So they've been looking for a place to give, but it's actually kind of hard to give money to schools and, and to know that that money is going to be used effectively. So we've been having lots of conversations um, over the course of probably the last year, but it finally came to fruition where we can we can do something really cool that's going to be great. That's I always I always see that with people who are trying to join boards or or make donations and it's always like, Well where where's my money gonna make the biggest impact and where mm-hmm. can I mm-hmm. and, and it's not that they wanna dictate the, the, the use of their money as much as they just want to know that they can point at it and say that that was a good use or that was a, my, my, my hours of participation were well spent there. And for us, it's always, I'm always saying to our business partners, it's not, it's not about the money. Money comes and goes. You know, money is just, just leverage to do the work that we need to do. And so mm. I'm happy to have money as a way to, to promote change and to kind of kick us out of inertia. And so, but the money itself is, is great, but it's really about how can I have a long-term relationship with Harbor right. Freight and other companies and what do you need and how can we support you in the long term? Because $100,000 will be gone in the yeah. blink of an eye, really. Right. So, right. But in five years, what else are we going to do? So for the, uh, our show gets listened to 
46 countries always, at last. Always bragging. I Just know. Just bragging about your what, worldwide audience. And what I'm, what I'm curious about is I don't know, why do you explain the role of career education in schools? And I want to see if if this lands in other, if it's like this in other countries. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. It's probably not. There, there are different models all over the world. And sometimes here in the U.S. we'll say, um, there's the, there are these great models in Europe, and, and sometimes they're still happening, and sometimes they're, they've also moved on and evolved. But essentially for us, career education, you know, when you think about it, like in the 50s and 60s, we would have vocational ed, shop classes. Actually, my grandfather okay. was a shop class okay. teacher in Burbank. My dad mm. teaches automotive at a community college for 32 years. And for a while, it was a place where we put kids who weren't going to go to college so we'd say, oh, oh, you know what? You're going to go to college. You're really good at reading and writing and sitting in class and nodding your head. And you're not. So we're going to put you over here in the shop class. Or maybe you have special education needs or maybe you're an English learner. And so, you know, we don't really know what to do with you academically. So we're going to stick you over here where you can, you know, mm. make things with your hands. <laughs> with the incredibly sharp and complicated to use <laughs> yes. uh, uh, table saw <laughs> yes. and the, uh, and the you know, 1,200 degree to 2,000 degree <laughs> welder. Uh, where you have to understand the difference between the inert gas and uh, the different metal filaments yeah. that happen inside of the, you know, you know, just yeah, simple. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, this is the amazing thing. Like, there's so much math required in manufacturing. Right. You see, I mean, you have to have a basic knowledge of trigonometry and algebra, and you use it to make products. And we think these are the kids who aren't going, they're doing college level work sure, here. Sure, sure. So, so that's kind of an outdated model. And so in the last 10 years, there's really been a push to change for us, at least here, to move towards career education is really preparing you, whether you go to college or not, everyone's going to have a career, right? College isn't the end game. Neither is sleeping on your parents' couch after you get out of college. So at some point, you're going to have a career, and you're going to need training for that career. And it's way better to go to college if you know what career that's going to be. So, mm, so That's really, an interesting idea. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Getting four years of education in a directed, oh, that's, that's odd. Yeah. So really broadening the scope there to say, in high school, even in middle school, what do you want to be and how can you get a little bit of preparation for that? So career education is no longer just Where does it start? Class. Where does it start? Well, here we, we start sometimes in elementary schools. We have some great elementary school programs in some of our districts like Simi Valley where they're they're talking to elementary kids about STEM and engineering. I was and just going to ask, it, it, <laughs> it's, uh, I learned that it was fourth grade, mm -hmm. that that you can plant the seed what in the fourth grade. Fourth grade, what a, what a, you got to put, that's a lot of pressure on a fourth grader <laughs> to be like, pick a career <laughs> in fourth grade. I mean, it's just like, I don't think I would have picked vocational, a director of vocational education. I think you put them on a vector. Oh, interesting. Right. You put them on a, you put them on a vector and, and this is where we're, we, we've been talking about this, uh, more women in technical careers mm -hmm. and that the seed for that gets planted at, in the fourth grade. It might be the <laughs> Sally Ride astronaut, for instance. Yeah, it might be. And it, it's interesting. Sometimes it's just about knowing what you don't want to be, right? Sure. So That's maybe part in fourth grade, you go out and you say, I don't like to get dirty. Mm. I don't, you know, we took a trip to the, to the landfill and I don't like that. I don't mm. want to do that. Or we took a trip to the hospital and I don't like sick, but you know, sometimes it's narrowing because how do you know what you want to do if you don't know what you don't like to do? What's your doctorate in? It's in um, curriculum and instruction, and I focused in math and science education. So I was a middle school math and science teacher many years your, ago. What was your favorite part of that? The kids. I love middle school kids. And it's interesting, talking about um. what, what you don't want to do. I have a four-year degree in elementary education. I got out of college. I subbed in a kindergarten class, and I said, I don't know that I want to work oh. with little kids. And I just oh. spent four years doing this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what am I going to do now? So I, I luckily subbed in a middle school. And how old, um, how old is that? Like 13, school. 12, 13, 14? 12, 13, right, right in the middle of kind of those, those pre-teenage years. And yet maybe possibly the most formative, like, like in your kind right. of like adolescence, yes. like where you really start to, to figure out kind of how you're going to walk and how you're going to laugh. And who how are you going to be? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I'm still friends with many of those kids on, on Facebook. <laughs> they're they're grown and funny? have kids now. And, but, um, 
Yeah, they were they were amazing, and we we did all kinds of um, things that now, as a school administrator, I look back and I think, how was I able to do that? I don't know that I could get away with that now, but it was a lot of fun. How did you so t- tell what what do you, what do the students that you work with now look like? What what is their makeup? They are very diverse. They're reflective of the diversity of our community. We have everyone from you know English learners to students who are know exactly what they're going to do when they go to college. Our programs are really diverse. So you know we have um, a certain type of student usually in our like our cybersecurity class. Um, you have a cybersecurity class. We have a cybersecurity class with a really amazing instructor and and those. Huh. Um, high those school or is that high, high school, school class? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, we still have the same issues everybody's looking at is how do we get girls into that class? How mm. do we tell them that this is a career where with very minimal training, they can make a lot of money and have a huge impact on the world. So, so let's travel down that path a second. Because um, if, if we could help our listener right now help a girl in a career choice, w- what are the key, what are the buttons we want to push that are going to open her mind to that. So part of it is modeling, right? We know that that girls, when they see someone in that field, then they say, oh, I can do this too. This Mm looks like me. Um, So having family members or guest speakers or being able to see that there are women in the field and having women talk about their experiences in a positive way. It's interesting. I've been um, struggling with this internally. So I'm in this this entrepreneurship class right now for, for you adults. Are. I am. I'm taking it. We oh, do it cool. for kids, and I'm going through it myself. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm the only female in the class. What? There's 12 students, and I showed up the first day. And I am I am not a, um, a shy person, but I showed up the first day as the only female, and I said, what am I doing here? I'm not smart enough to be here. These people, oh, these men gosh. all know so much more than I do. You're, I'm a, do- dr- you're a doctor, doctor? Right, but I'm going to drop out of this class. And the first night, I didn't what? say anything. I sat by myself, and I thought... I went oh. home and I thought, what am I doing? I know better than this, right? I am old enough to know better. Do you think that this. was old? Was that mm. old, tr- old education, old, tr- old There's training stories. in your mind? Stories. Yeah, it's just telling myself, I don't, I don't belong here because I'm the only one. And it turns out, of course, I belong there. Right. So do lots of other women. But so I've been thinking about this a lot in the last I few bet. weeks since this experience of how do we. Getting them in the door is step one, but step two, what happens if they're the only one? How do we support them so that they, they don't drop out, so that they persist through this, so they feel mm. like they belong? Please, please do that. <laughs> please do lots more of that. Yeah. But what I don't understand is why it's still an issue. Because I was on a panel 20 years ago mm-hmm. as a software guy, like, <coughs> where are the women? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just interesting that as recently as two weeks ago, in a pretty progressive community that we live in that's very entrepreneur mm-hmm. friendly uh, that that would have happened yeah. and and again i'm i'm not if what if i were 12 or 13 or 14 or 17 experiencing this what if i were walking into my first job in a in a software company and i'm the only female you know like what 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 then and so i think it's really an important question and i'm I don't know how nobody has all the answers, but I think what we were talking about earlier is, is starting sooner so that you understand I'm competent and I belong here. You know, I, I, I'm not an entrepreneur, so I was already a little bit out of my element in that class. So I think if girls walk into software jobs or engineering jobs and they know, I know what I'm doing, I belong here because I have the same training that you do. I have the right. same experience that you right. do. I've had internships just like you. I belong here based on my skills and merit. I think that's important. And not only that, but you possess a, a diversity of voice that is is so uh, outside the parameters of what is going to be the regular experience here that my guess would be is that you could provide a, an invaluable you know, angle to every problem that is presented to your team or to you as a, as a, as a member of it. It's just... I, I'm just a huge advocate for the concept of saying, like, there's no heavy lifting you know, in, in this job, there's no, there's, there's, there's no physical, you know, gender gap here. This is absurd. You know, what's, what I'm hearing is that, uh, we've had so many guests on the show where there was a life experience that changed, was, had a material effect. 
And I, I've got to feel like this experience is going to lead to you innovating in this area and you're in a unique position to be able to innovate and actually see and make changes. Yeah? Yeah, I've, I've been really glad to be going through this program. It's a little step outside of my, my box and my background, but absolutely be just from that that one experience right. in the class, but going through the entire program and thinking about how how does entrepreneurship integrate with the work we're doing? How is entrepreneurial thinking something that we can build into what we're doing and not just for men, but for women too? How do we get them to the table? What is What do we have to do to make it more comfortable for them once they're there? Is that something that you, do you think used to be in your curriculum back back somewhere before where, where, where people were encouraged to create? But no, this was just, it's vocational has always been the conversation of just learn how to do this skill set and and we'll figure in more technical right vocational and yeah. a businessman will hire you what's the like? it's been pretty technical but a lot of our you know so when you think about for example if you go through a welding program you you may be your own sole proprietor small business right. for a long time so you yeah. may it's an auto shop you may work in a shop and then you may open your own shop so so a lot of the vocational fields lend themselves to small businesses if you have the skills and training. Well, and I would, I would, I wish, because I took all of those classes and I turned into a, a sculpture professor. So that's what <laughs> happened with me. But I, I very much wish that there was more um, how to protect yourself in contract negotiation and how to uh, right. protect yourself uh, with health insurance. And the conver- I mean, you're working around things that are, that are typically very uh, potentially dangerous. I have a cousin who's a master welder and he, he uh, gear malfunctioned, dropped something on his foot, uh, you know, extensive reconstructive surgery on his, I mean, heavy. Uh, and, and now he can't do that job anymore, so he had to be retrained, and now he's a machinist, which is a job that he can do with this, you know, and it's like nobody told him up front how to, how to set himself up for protecting against that or, you know, covering himself. Yeah, and that's a hard thing because it's something something that we're, we're always working on is what do you need to know, but what are you ready to learn? So oh, oh, stop. That's good. Hold it. <laughs> yeah. we, when we hear those, that, that, that was... <laughs> Say that again, please, because I don't want to have to edit the tape. What what do you need to know, but what are you ready to learn? I love that. (laughs) Sounds like relationship advice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like like just every kind of advice. So what is that? So, for example, you know, we want every kid to come out of high school with a resume. But having a freshman or sophomore work on a resume is pointless. Yeah. Because... They need to know that, but they're not ready to learn that because it doesn't have an application. So your example of protecting and healthcare and contract negotiations, you need to know that, but you're only ready to learn that at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so when is that point? And when you're ready to learn it, do you have access to the data, the knowledge base that will help you get that? If you're outside of school, you might not. And so that's the problem is there's a gap between what you need to know and when, you, when you're ready to learn. So that's uh, a, a vote for just-in-time education. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's like I don't need to carry all that, but when I need it, I need it. That's why I like the Google really mm-hmm. close to me, right? Yeah. Um, uh, two, two, uh, one observation, one question. Uh, you were talking about modeling and sometimes there might not be someone. They think that's a great idea, but there isn't someone in the home. You could take them to a movie. And, for instance, you could take them to go see Hidden Figures, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. Hidden Figures, which was, a, a for those who, who don't know, it's a story of NASA in 1961. Uh, these um, black women who were math geniuses, they were called computers, I literally call computers, and the story of these three women and how they materially affected uh, NASA. So that would be one. Go, mm-hmm. go take your young girls to see that. <clears throat> My question then is uh, around homeschooling. Um, mm. how, <laughs> Interesting turn. Well, <laughs> b- well because I'm, I'm thinking that um, th- there's a huge homeschool movement. We, we've had mm-hmm. some of those people on the show. Sure. Uh, and this is an important important piece how do how would you work how do homeschoolers get career ed so this is interesting we actually provide our program which serves 4,000 students in Ventura County is open to homeschool students okay so um, if they're homeschooling through a charter school so for right. example right. we have River Oaks and a number of yeah, models and like that's that. what we know right okay excellent yeah so um, 
they are welcome to participate in our in our program. So maybe you're homeschooled during the day and then you come to our classes in the afternoon. In fact, we have a number of those students in our cybersecurity class. Oh. And they're excited too. And we also have some some digital media classes and some sound engineering classes. We have a number of homeschooling students in those classes because they're passionate about music. How would you get music education if you're at home? Right. So, so Greg Van Ness, who in, introduced us, also introduced us to River Oaks. Yes, because his wife Gina works with River Oaks. Exactly. Now, how are how is Ventura County of uh, Office of Education related to Tolman and Weicker? How does that work? I believe they're our insurance carrier. They work with our our joint powers authority to their insurance company is somehow connected. River Oaks is also a, a charter school that's authorized by the Ventura County Office of Education. I used to oversee charter schools. Mm. So oh. How did you small how yeah. did you get out of the classroom? And 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 it, there's this oh, there's there always this dual yeah. this dual thing for me where I feel um, because my mom's a, a teacher retiring this year after almost 40 years. Yeah, um, yeah she's a and and I always think that like that that she never left the classroom um, but but how did you how did you transition into administration? Because it seems like almost there's that frustration of like oh the really good ones keep moving up and out. They do. Mm. Um, well, my story is, is not typical. I, I was finishing my doctorate, so I was getting my doctorate and teaching at the same time, and I was I was planning to finish my doctorate and go work in a university somewhere and sit in a room and think about things all day. That was my <laughs> that was my great yeah. plan. Yeah. That was a great plan. <laughs> I like to think about things and I like to write them down. Well, so sometimes it's about when you need to learn something. <laughs> yes, right, right. So, um, but instead, I finished my doctorate degree and I became a beekeeper. <laughs> oh. Wow, did not see that, that coming, was, Patrick. Um, no, I'm very impressed. Sometimes people think there's an error in that, and that I meant to say bookkeeper, but I'm like, no, yeah, a, a beekeeper. So um, I had a, a relationship at the time, and he was a beekeeper, and so I, Sounds I perfect. said, oh, I'm, I'm going to go be a commercial beekeeper. So we did pollination up and down in California, which was really fun and interesting, and I, I taught science, so I was, a, I was really into the, the science part of it. And then at some point I said, okay, so I have... PhD in education, and I don't talk to anyone all day long. Ooh. I should probably go use that. So at that point, I um, I was living in Sacramento, so I went to work for the California Department of Education. So I went from classroom to state, which is a, a pretty uh, unique jump. So mm. I got both the, the classroom level experience and the state level experience. Hmm. And so at the, I, I think most people don't understand all the, the politics of education. What, talk. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, I, I believe I, our Secretary of Education is very clear on it now. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, I'm, what I don't understand as a civilian mm -hmm. is why education is so political. Uh -huh. Maybe that's the question. What, why, I don't, I just don't get it. it to, yeah. I just think as a parent and a grandparent. It's political because school boards have an important function in the, in the role of schools. And so... School boards are elected members, so you had members of the community that are elected, and whenever anyone's elected, you have politics involved. And so I think part of it is just the functioning of education is that it's it's uh, an important part of the oversight is done by people who are elected from the community to a school board. Doctor, um, can you answer this for me? What is the point of education inside of a community or society? Like, what what would your what would your reason or defense of it be of like why is it why is it so why can't we just send kids to work at 12 this is interesting because i think that that it shifts that there's a bit of a pendulum over time so if you look at for example our community college system it used to be that our community colleges were really two-year technical training schools so if you want to go be an academic you go to a four-year program if you want to go you know, be a welder, or you want to go be a, an auto mechanic, you go to a community college for two years, right? And then now, our community colleges have a, and a really important function is as for transfer students. So people go mm. there to get two years of kind of their basics out of the way before they go off to a four-year college. Well, then there's a polarity there because you are you serving the transfer students who are academic or are you serving the technical students? And I don't know that they have a good answer for that. And I think there's a little bit of, of battle and conflict there. So overall, in terms of what is our point of education, I think there's always this, this dichotomy between are we growing people who can think 
and who can think critically about our society, mm. who can contribute as citizens. So kind of the citizen education piece, are we training people to go work in the workforce and be be workers for for a business and contribute to the economy? And I think sometimes we don't think those are the same functions, right? We think, oh, we're going to have this liberal arts education and they're not going to contribute to the economy. Or we think, oh, we're going to go train these workers and the workers aren't going to be able to think critically and and contribute in a, in the larger sense of a liberal. They won't education. be leaders of industry. Right. And, yeah. yeah. So are you saying that the 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 fallacy is that it's their young people who can think as citizens or their workers, and it's not it's so. Um, uh, Clark said it's the genius of the and versus the right. tyranny of the or. Yes, that's right. Huh? So we're huh? we sometimes I get an education here and it hurts my heart a little bit because <laughs> we're setting ourselves up for a sucker choice, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be or, and that's the whole movement that you've seen coming out of education in the last four to five years is college and career, not college or career. Right. So it's that right. same dichotomy I was talking about earlier. Of, yep. You know, are we going to put those kids who aren't going to go co- go to college in the shop class, and then everyone else you're going to go to college and you're you know you're academic instead. We really need both, and we hear this from both sides. So we hear, hear from engineering schools where yeah. they'll have kids who come out and they don't know how to build things with their hands because they've done the theoretical part of engineering but not the actual part of engineering. And so for academics, we need them to know how to do things. And for students who do things, we need them to know how to think critically about their mm-hmm. world. And so we, we really need well-rounded individuals with both of those pieces. Well, that but that doesn't... Uh that uh, I think I was going to be flipped there for a moment because because I've I, I was working at UCSB and, and running into this issue that, that the universities the liberal arts large division one research schools are leaning towards vocation education inside of their non engineering departments and so they're looking at saying how can I how can I turn this person into a future employee that 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 I mean the number one thing that they they request is to look at the number when parents walk in and say is this the school that I want to send my kid. What is your placement rate for kids after after the fact? How many of your students are graduating and moving into a career position? Is that the new question parents That's are new, asking? Yeah, because and it's and the rate is like twenty four percent, which was like the lowest in history as of you know three or four years ago. Is that is that students leaving this university with one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt are moving back into the parents' basement? And so, but so it was funny to me that their answer to that was become more vocational, like lean more towards job skills training. At a four-year university, which of course is, is exactly what you're saying. That's not what we've always thought it was. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of. I mean, we're kind of chasing this up and down the up and down the grade levels, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. um, I think the the interesting thing is, you know, there's all those things that we were talking about earlier. Do you know what you want to do? Are you going to college and getting a degree in something that you have no interest in working in? And then, of mm-hmm. course, our placement is, g- is going to suffer. So there's all these parts of the system that, that contribute to that. I don't know that the answer is more vocational, but I also, um, there's a lot of pressure for kids to, in high school, be taking five AP classes every single year right. so that they can mm, get into mm, the academic mm, college. Mm. And then they get there and they're like, I don't even know what I like to do. You know, do I, do I want to? It doesn't. Do it doesn't seem like so, our society that we have now um, is functioning the way it used to. In the sense of of graduating college is not the guarantee to a success. When when I first started working at a at a college uh, in Portland, there was this conversation of, well, a bachelor's degree overall generally says that you'll make about a million dollars over your lifetime more than somebody who doesn't have a bachelor's degree, and that doesn't feel that feels like one of those statistics doesn't seem to line up anymore mm. among many. <laughs> my, this is my favorite story um, about stuff like this. I was um, dating a, uh, a elementary school teacher in her first year of teaching, and she was teaching in a portable, uh, which is a you know a mobile classroom out behind the main building. And an air conditioning repair guy showed up to fix the air conditioning unit in the in the portable, and they were chatting about you know that they had both just essentially started their job at the same time, and and uh, some comment about oh well what what do you make. And uh, the guy says, oh, it's not very much. I only make 95 a year. Um, but after a couple of years, I'll, I'll be able to bump that up over 100. Um, and she says, well, how much education do you have? And he says, oh, I took a nine-month you know, air conditioning repair course. 
And she says, oh, I have a master's degree and I just started at 34. Yep. And that's and that I'm sorry to, to dumbfound you both, but that's 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 this experience between like like the the the, the ideology of saying, well, we got to send you and get as much education as you can because that'll result in in a quality of life that that we we want for you versus uh, this idea of like maybe we really should talk about what you want to do with your life and, and what the, what the outcomes will you'll, where you'll be most successful. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bum you guys out. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm just I, I, again this this politics of education and I equate politics to money and it's the, we could trace it back to the money involved. I just learned last week, I was at a conference of uh, meeting planners of all things. I'm, that's one of the universes I live in. And I asked, uh, what's, who does the most meetings in the United States? And you know the answer? Education. There is more billions spent on <coughs> meetings for educators, which got me to thinking, uh, is there an organization for career education departments and what's the, what's the state of the art right now? I've got, I've got to imagine that you're, you know, with your contemporaries, what are you talking about? Where, where, where do we need to go? Let's talk about that for a little so, bit. This is interesting. There are a number of groups. There's a, some state groups about um, around career and technical education, and there are some national groups. I have limited participation with them because we are trying to figure out right now the same issue that we're talking about, which is are we affiliated with the old card of uh, this is vocational ed right and you'll hear me very purposely saying career and technical education because vocational ed is what my grandfather taught which right. is great mm -hmm. but that's not what we're doing anymore right. we still have welding right. but we have welding with new technology in a clean shop mm -hmm. that um, it uses a lot of math and a lot of writing mm -hmm. and and it's not the same way that we think of vocational education and so we also work on integrating our academics and our vocational ed. And some of our, um, some of the programs that have been operating for a long time within the sphere of vocational education, that's a really hard thing to change. And there's a real sense of loss that we've lost the way that things used to be. And I, I go out a lot in the community and all, I hear all the time. <laughs> um, you know, high school shops are non-existent, and we've gotten rid of shop classes, and we haven't. Mm. Some, but we've shifted to the program. So now maybe we have a drone class, or we have mm. 3D printers. We have 3D printers, or we have manufacturing, or we have cybersecurity, or we have web design. And it's not that we've gotten away from that, it's that we're doing different things. And so I understand there's still this real need for students to work with their hands and build things, but what that looks like may be very different. And so um, within the career and technical ed organizations, there's kind of what is the new front of this look like where you're including academics and you're including 21st century learning skills and all of those things versus vocational ed and what does the future look like? And so I, I as transition is hard and it's painful. And yeah, so um, I tend to be on kind of the, the forward looking edge of that. And so um, there are some peers, but not many. And so we... Uh, so I'm going to guess that um, to be successful, you need to have a lot more relationships with companies like Harbor Freight, where the relationship with the actual people hiring, there's, a, there's an organization in Santa Barbara called Partners in Education. Mm -hmm. And do you have Partners in Education? We don't have, our districts have like their that. original, our districts have their own um, kind of education foundations that are similar. We actually kind of operate as that, um, as the partners in education. So Santa Barbara has the same grant that we have in Ventura County. And so the what I run is something called um, VC Innovates, Ventura County Innovates. And it's a large organization funded by the grant with 12 employees that really go out and make those partnerships with businesses. So we have what we call industry liaisons. They go and they sit on the industry groups. So maybe our engineering liaison is in is on ship, the Society of Hispanic Engineers, or on the building council. And we sit in those meetings and we listen and we hear, what do you need? 
And so the great thing is, is we can be responsive to that. So I was just meeting with one of the commands at Naval Base Ventura County, and they were saying, we need um, people with skills in soldering. There's mm-hmm. nowhere to go and learn soldering mm-hmm. in Ventura County. I mean, it may be a little piece of other programs, but mm-hmm. there's no soldering certificate. There's no, and they said, we have all these jobs coming up and they require soldering. And I was like, we should probably be yeah. teaching that yeah. then. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. We could do that. But if we weren't sitting at the table having those conversations, I wouldn't know that's a need. Well, that's, that's, we it, that's it. exactly the point, right? It's, it's you, you, you can't do your job in an ivory tower, right? You don't get to go in a, in a, in a room and think and write right, about stuff. Right, my plan stuff. was foiled. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I do the opposite now. Yes. Ivory seems like a hard tower to build, too. I mean, it's like, we need more ivory You've always builders. wondered, yes, where's yeah. where the ivory build? Oh, I think the, it's just the, the, the elephant lobby. The, is, the elephant sure lobby right. is very sure. against that. Uh, <laughs> big elephant is... Six, uh, six, six feet tall. Exactly. Right. I, but I, I was uh, the president of Partners in Education here back in the day um, because I really liked the idea that the CEOs of businesses were were working with the the leadership in education and there was a real bond forged and I'm thinking of our listener now who uh, runs a business and may be thinking gosh how could I give back to my community going to their department of education and finding out what they're doing in career education uh, regional occupational program those kinds of things there's a they're looking for you right now. Right. I mean, you're looking for those kinds of people to step up and say, hey, how could, how could we help? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because sometimes in education we're not good listeners. So we mm. say we want your mm. help. We say you want your feedback. Mm. We'll bring you to a meeting, and we'll talk to you the whole time and not give you a chance to give us information. <laughs> um, because we're educators. That's what we do. We like to talk. And so we consciously try and... Um, and organize our, our meetings and our, our, our outreach to businesses in a way where we are listening. So sometimes, instead of bringing you into us and sa- having like an advisory committee meeting where you come and sit and listen to us, we tend to push out to our, to our business meetings where they're talking to each other, not just to us, and we're listening. And that way we don't... Uh, so maybe that's the innovation. It's, it's part of it, but I, it's been... It's been really interesting. So, and it's also a, exactly opposite of the state model in which, you know, you have an advisory committee meeting and you bring businesses in and and you tell them and they give you feedback on the curriculum and you know, I think that businesses may have input on curriculum, but that's not their role. Like we went to school to learn curriculum. This mm-hmm. is what we do. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that what we're doing is in line with where you need us to be as a business partner, but there are probably other areas where we really do need your help. We really want a relationship. And so I think part of our work is trying to figure out what's the right model for that reciprocal relationship. And I don't know that it's the the way that we've been doing it. And I don't know, it's very person-driven, right? So it's really bringing it back down to the basic, which is I have a relationship with you. If I have a question, I call you up and say, hey, I'm starting this soldering program. What certificate makes sense? Or does the certificate make sense? Or, hey, you know what? We're going to buy this 3D printer. We're going to buy this license for cybersecurity software. What do you think we should use? What spec? You know, it's those kinds of things that really are the long-term benefit, I think. We have conversations in here all the time with people who are – uh, creating businesses or have created businesses or are, you know long have been consultants or or you know but but their 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 motives seem very clear and the and the get out of bed inspiration seems very clear um well i don't you have what seems like a very distinct drive for this job that you're doing here where do you think that comes from like where do you think like like was that is was that your grandfather and your father and the, where where did it come from because this is you are doing what sounds like an amazing job uh, with, with tenacity that that does not seem like that's what was in your doctoral thesis <laughs> you know what I mean like like the, I don't uh, is there a vocational school to get what you've got as as a as a determined leader of this program like why are you so good at this what sometimes I'll go out and I'll talk to teachers and then at the end of the day they're disappointed at the presentation because they're like okay this is great but I just need an administrator that does this like how can I find this administrative support because in, as school administrators, this may not be your your passion and your drive. And if it's one more thing you're doing, it's really hard to 
to support in the long run if you don't um, really care about this. So there's there's two things about that. And the first is I I think about my brother. So I have two brothers. Um, they're both pilots. One's in the Air Force and, and one's in the Army. My middle brother is just wired differently than I am. I was always kind of academic, good at school. Like I like to read books and write things and so forth, as we've already discussed. Um, and he just always wanted to build things. So if you were sitting at a table with him, it'd look like, like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? Or he's not listening. And you'd ask him and he'd be saying things like, well, I was thinking about how I could put rockets on my shoes mm-hmm. or something like that. And so in school, he kind of bounced around a little bit. And he was in the old school kind of vocational ed programs. And then he went into the Army at 25. And he kind That's of found... Late. Well, he had, he had been, uh, he got his associate's degree in automotive, and he was working as a mechanic. He went in and enlisted, and um, but he had a little bit of background and some skill in doing things with his hands, and so he became a, um, a crew chief, and then he became a warrant officer, and then he became a pilot, and he's one class away from finishing up his bachelor's degree now at mm-hmm. 30. He wasn't ready to go to a four-year college right after high school, but he might be eventually, right? So we have this idea that... You know, at 19, when you graduate from high school or 18, when you graduate from high school, you have to know what you're going to do. Like you're going to go to a four year college and you're going to get your education now. And I don't know that has to work like that. You know, I think there's lots of other models. And so I I appreciate giving students and I work every day to give students opportunities to make choices about what they want to do. So um, and we started a drone class. And um, people say, oh, you must really love drones. I actually don't really care about <laughs> drones themselves. Like, I don't want to go fly a drone on the weekend, but I want kids to learn to fly drones if that's not what they want to do. I want them to have the passion to do that hmm. or have the opportunity to do that. Or, you know, sound engineering. We started a new sound engineering program um, because some kids are really passionate about music, but all their, their only options are band. I don't want to play the clarinet, but I love music. What am I going to do with myself? Well, Let's provide some opportunities for kids who, who can do that. So I, I love the idea that kids have options to do interesting things. And I think that as educators, it's our job to help create those for them. So and that's the meaningful part for you. Yeah, I didn't learn that in my doctor program. I um, yeah. I just I stumbled into this job, and it's been a good fit. <laughs> Accident, accidentally <laughs> yeah, created really. this. <laughs> we have had – how many stories have we had on the show where – um, I'm I'm really interested in origin stories, but I'm uh, as interested in uh, the inflection point. Um, we had uh, Vlad Vyman from uh, California Lutheran, uh, Russian, went to University of Montana. He was in. I thought it was. Mass- Ma- I thought it was Oklahoma. No, it was Montana. Okay, I believe you. But I'm probably wrong. Someone's like yelling middle, at the middle, phone right now. It was middle now. of nowhere. I remember yes. it was like middle it of was, nowhere. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, and Montana, please, you don't have to send me letters. It's fine. Uh, but he was, he, it was a random conversation about the business school. And it was like turned on a dime and changed everything yeah, for he was, him. He was an engineer. Right. And they're like, I don't think, he's like, I would be a mediocre engineer <laughs> at best. Yeah. And he's turned into, I mean, he's, he's uh, again, there's so many rock stars. I am, I am thrilled that you are doing what you're doing because I know how important uh, education is. Uh, short story, the 805 conversation is, is a part of a larger project called 805 Connect, which is uh, economic development across the region. And the Santa Barbara Foundation was the one that helped get it started. But in talking to them, I she really took me to school uh, on how education is at the root of so many different challenges we have as communities with crime and poverty and and all of these things and if we can get if we can solve we can solve those with education and so I, I like this blend I love the idea that the small business skills are getting taught in addition because we they just don't know that like um, again we had we've had I like the relationship with the insurance company because that's kind of a key part of running a business that we just don't get taught anywhere yeah. right so one of the things that we've done that I'm that I'm most proud of is something called Entree to Employment, and um, we just we made it up. It doesn't happen anywhere else. We just we did it. So it's a monthly dinner series, and we invite high school students, community college students, oh. regular college students, 
um, their faculty, professors, and business partners, and they have, they sit down and they have a, it's kind of a networking dinner, um, once a month in different industries, and so we'll have 100, 150 people in a room, and they sit at these tables, so there'll be two or three business partners, high school students, community college students, and we ask them very thoughtful questions and some of the questions for the for the adults are, you know, how did you get into this business? How did you know what you wanted to do? And some of our questions for students, because one of the things is everyone has a voice at the table. It's mm, not the adults mm, just mm. talking at the students, but the students mm. will say things like, you know, the questions will be, um, what, imagine a, a day where you were excited to come to work. What would you be doing? Mm. Or what kind of people would you mm. be working mm-hmm. with? And we've had over 2,000 people come go through wow. these dinner series over the last 18 months. And just like you were saying, lives are changed by these dinner yep. conversations. Yep. So we'll have yep. people, we had a community college student who was saying, she sat at her table and through the course of the conversation, somebody said to her, you know, I think you might really like accounting. I think, you know, you would have a, a background, like based on what you like to do, I think you would really love accounting. And she said, I had never thought of that right. ever as a potential right. field. Because she'd some, never met an accountant. Right, right, right exactly. Right, right. I mean, we know there's a recent study that came out that says that 64% of students identify their own interests and experience as the top determinant of where they go in their career. 64% of them say, I had to experience this to know that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, 20% of them say it was my parents, mm-hmm. 10% say it was a teacher, and 3% say it was a, a guidance counselor. So, <laughs> Sorry, guidance counselors. And it's not that, it's just that's not their primary function. So if it's 64%, then we have to provide opportunities for people to, to explore. Mm-hmm. You, it's not just doctor, lawyer, firefighter anymore. Right. So we have to tell you, do you know what cybersecurity is? Do you know how great that is and how much money you can make doing right. that? Have you ever thought about soldering? <laughs> right. I, I, I love that. Uh, I would love to go to one of those dinners. We will invite you. Please. Yes. Uh, I would, You're uh, always looking for a free meal, Sylvester. I, I honestly love hanging out with smart high school kids. Yeah. Like, um, I volunteered a year ago at uh, the Don's Net Cafe. We had, we've had the, those students in here. Uh, they were, had a startup, a gaming startup. And I went in there and I ran a nonprofit for uh, after school program with my animation company. Um, we took at-risk kids and brought them in. And, and the we teacher don't, we who don't ran call it. that anymore. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I got to be, that, I gotta yeah. be buzzword compliant. <laughs> what do we call them? Entrepreneurs. we had these kids but the teacher taught me something really interesting he said you're not their parent you're not their teacher you're not their boss you're an adult who wants them to be successful and that's what you have to step into and own and i i've never forgotten that and so when i'm with younger people i he says mark their minds are as buff as their bodies. <laughs> I thought, right? That's and that's yeah. and when you show up, when, and when you show up in that meeting and you're that guy, they get that immediately, and then they step up, and then it works. That's the part about entree to employment that's so great is that everyone in the room is there because they want to be. It's after yeah. you know, it's at night. It's a couple of hours. Yep. But in a couple of hours, you can change it. You can change a kid's life. Oh, and our Who business want partners come back and they say, I feel so much better about the future of my industry <laughs> right? yes. knowing that there are kids yeah. these kids. And I always uh-huh. say, if yeah. you, if you're the only time you ever experience high school kids is at the mall or the movie theater, you probably don't have the greatest opinion right. of them yeah. because right. that's not when they're at their best. Right. But if you give them an opportunity to show up that. and show yeah. you everything that they yep. have, you will be impressed by them. And the stories, that they have a chance in this dinner to share their own stories. And the stories of the things that some of our kids have to overcome are, are, are amazing. You know, you can, well, the last one we had a kid who was, um, the question was like, what's your greatest accomplishment? And the student said, honestly, I was so painfully shy, I could never talk to anyone. He said, this right here, sitting here, talking to you, an adult I don't know, tonight, is the greatest accomplishment of my life. Oh my gosh. How great is like, that? Like right? Yeah. I want to end right there because that, that was <laughs> I want to leave that nice I want to savor that thought for a while. I 
I think that making memorable moments for the for our future. That's our it's our future. Those people, right? And uh, I think when we think about how we give back, that's a huge way to give back. And I would challenge our listener to um, go find a teacher, go find your school, go go give back in some way. You will become richly rewarded. Dr. Tiffany, thank you, thank you. so much. This was a great, a great introduction. Um, people can, uh, I'll, I'll make show notes because we Google Executive Director of Career Education at Ventura <laughs> County Office of Education. Uh, I, I wanna, uh, we'll get a show note to um, the uh, entree to um, employment. Yeah. I, I think that's the title of the show. There's yeah. something there. And yeah, sure. I, I like that entree to employment, but and of course me being a chef, I, entree and entree yes. just went together, right? Yes, it's I, a I thought of that. I spent a ton of time thinking about it in the middle of the night. Okay, entree, I got it. That's so a, so that's a trademarked uh, for yes. you. So there, bcinnovates.org uh, <laughs> is our is our website for our, the grant work that we do. Vcinnovates.org. Mm-hmm. I love our, that. And I want to yeah, thank uh, thank Greg again for introducing us to yet yes. another fascinating person that we want to know better. Thank you very much. I also yep. want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Greg at Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with us, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, yes. so person who's listened to the very end. We thank you. For doing that. First off, thanks. Yeah, because you never know what we might uh, come up with here. Uh, you know, there might be some some helpful information. Exactly. This and is our. How could they help uh, the show? Well, rate, write, review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Send Mark an obscene email to let him know that this is a, a good thing. Or those a bad usually thing get for my him. attention. They will definitely get your attention. Um, but also, you know, I'm a huge advocate for putting dangerous tools in children's hands. Uh, and so, there's probably a high school student out there somewhere who is at a pivotal moment, uh, who is unsure about uh, the direction that they want to go. And this podcast is not just for people who are already out of high school. This podcast is for anybody with a set of earbuds. So um, get them subscribed to the show. There um, you go. We would love to have more high schoolers subscribe to the show. Uh, we believe that the topics uh, discussed here are the kinds of topics that could help uh, give them some direction, give them some help, and also just maybe be something that they're interested in. So find yourself a high school student uh, who needs a good podcast and give them this one. I love that. You can you remember the trick. Take their phone, look for the purple icon, subscribe them to 805 Conversations. And then say thank you. I would love to hear uh, specifically from you if you've got questions about the show, if you have an idea for a guest. Um, we're, Patrick, we're coming up on like 150 episodes. I know that freaks you out. but uh, <laughs> Only because in my mind I imagine trying to listen to all of them back to back. And then I also realize, oh, I have listened to all of them. <laughs> you can drive uh, to New York and back and only listen to this podcast. But I would uh, uh, ask that you would go listen to other shows <laughs> as well. Uh, you could drop me a line to uh, mark at 805connect.com. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>